everyone to the Inhumans podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. I can kill you in three different ways. The Inhumans podcast by Fantastic Geek for uh, the season one finale, episode 108, and finally, Black Bolt is sponsored by Dome Scanner Device Thing. Whatever. Pete, here we are at the end of this season. It is it is interesting to note that in our part of the world, in New Jersey, United States of America, when you and I saw the exclusive IMAX presentation, it was the last day of our summer. We were in shorts and t-shirts. Here we are. It is now one of the coldest days of the year. Indeed, the coldest day of, of, of the fall. It is properly winter time. And indeed, Pete, as change comes to the seasons, let us note what's ahead before we dig into Inhumans episode 108. We will, of course, be uh, bringing you Star Trek Discovery episode 109 this coming Monday which will end what they're calling chapter one of the first season before the final six episodes resume coming January 7th. Also uh, ahead for this month, we will be podcasting uh, the Punisher. We also will be podcasting uh, runaways. Uh, Both of those will be a, a slightly leaner, slightly meaner format, although we'll still be just as nice, just as open to those two shows. And uh, if you're listening to this on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, worry not, you're going to get it all. And uh, if you're not sure if that's your thing, check out the Pop Culture Podcast feed or indeed go to fantasticgeek.com or search iTunes for Fantastic Geek and you can find the individual feeds for all our geeky goodness. Our Thor Ragnarok review is out, uh, and you can find that in addition to the pop culture podcast by Fantastic Geek. We have launched the Marvel movie podcast by Fantastic Geek, just the Marvel Cinematic Movies, 17 of them. Go through them at your leisure, but you can find them all there. One more thing, Matt, coming maybe the best thing. Indeed, Pete, this episode of Inhumans bookended at the end with a uh, a sizzle reel of what is to come for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., our mothership, the Marvel Cinematic Universe TVN's mothership. We saw some new footage there. Even I, Pete, I was so boisterously filled with the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Friday, December 1st that I watched that preview, thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, cannot wait to see Agents in Space, Space, Space. But without further ado, let's bring you the Royal Digest. Our teaser, Matt, we are told there is a scanner in the control room that if Maximus does not place his hand on it every hour on the hour, the dome will fail. However, Triton, because he's not been on the show much, doesn't believe. I just want to point out, Pete, that this is not a healthy way to sleep, to always be reaching for that button one once an hour. You know, this could lead to irritability, lapses in judgment, not the kind of leader I want in Maximus. So I say put your device away. Let's set a let's set a sleep timer, even for the dome failsafe thing. We're told here that they're going to head to Earth to lead a conquering army. Um, but no idea the enemy 
they would face here. He's not talking about the humans. There's there's some mystery, Matt, what these other enemies might be. Uh, but Triton says that there are tunnels they can use. Uh, Black Bolt, Crystal, and Medusa uh, agree that they are going to set up an evacuation as a last resort. Where? How? Still kind of formulating that. Uh, meanwhile, Karnak happens upon uh, some guards who uh, one gets the, the drop on him from behind and they lock him in the quiet room as we head to the title card. Pete, we go back to Louise, sweet, blessed Louise. She's back at home. Medusa is there to deliver a package. Uh, Louise, however, very timely moment. She's been uh, brushing up on empowered women. Always a good thing there. And uh, she wants to negotiate. She wants to go to the moon. Uh, however, she's told that it is unsafe. There's absolutely no way it's going to happen. Indeed, the Inhumans may have to evacuate. Louise says, but where will you go? As though there's a ton of options. Right. That's, of course, why Medusa is there. Meanwhile, Matt, the uh, resurrected second Terragenesis version of Gorgon is uh, raging here, and he unceremoniously kills Dr. Declan. Um, can I just say, as an old-time losty, to see Henry Ian Cusick's character killed off so unceremoniously, not even with like a confirmation within the scene of like, He's dead. And granted, Gorgon is not speaking, but it's only later where it's like Maximus just sees the body and it's like, well, he's dead. That kind of hurt a little bit, you know. Not Penny's boat, Pete. Not Penny's boat. Um, but Gorgon, back to him, he's raging. Some of Maximus's crew finds him. Luckily, they have a hand wave go to sleep powered guy who waves his hand, causing Gorgon to uh, go to sleep. That worked out well. <laughs> Black Bolt and uh, Triton escort a Maximus here. Maximus continues to try to sow discord. Triton being the water-based inhuman who's kept on the moon, you know, where there is no water. Um, Triton, uh, my notes say Triton's guards, <laughs> which is to say he takes out knives and kills them. Um, meanwhile, Karnak is testing the quiet room, which we later learn he built for weaknesses. That doesn't quite compute. Well, I, I suppose everything has a weakness and, and we do have nicely the story out in a little bit about how it has weaknesses, depending on what, uh, what strengths are applied to it. But uh, Gorgon is thrown in there and he's ready to Hulk smash Karnak. He kind of comes to his senses and he says that he, he wants help. I must admit, Pete, I'm not entirely clear. I'm not, I'm not entirely clear what his concern is. I mean, I know he's come back to life and whatnot, but it's like we're one line away from like, my mind is all jumbled to go, oh, now I see the problem there. He's still coming back, or things are only slowly making sense. Then you say, oh, well, he's kind of still mentally regenerating. Instead, he just wants help. Uh, and then the story moves to the tunnels where Black Bolt is lost, and Maximus again reminds him that Maximus is king. Uh, and Black Bolt says that, in fact, he didn't want to be king, but he had to be king. And there's all sorts of king talk there, Pete. Yeah, he's never been down in these tunnels before and uh, the portrayal, everything else. Um, 
that he didn't want to be the king, but after uh, he killed their parents, that changed. And we get a flashback here, the head of the genetic council and Black Bolt. Um, and it's, you know, uh, it, it, important talk, Matt, that goes on. Um, but it's uh, a, a murderer who learned this and Maximus uh, tells Black Bolt that he learned his language long ago. Which works out well, Pete, because then they can continue to have, you know, rather one-sided conversations. Uh, the ground shakes, and it turns out that Maximus was not lying. The protective shield is starting to fail. Uh, I, I rather give kudos to the show here for, for following through on what could have been a, uh, you know, a, a fake out. And uh, with this terrible notion, we uh, head to the act break. Act two begins with Karnak admitting to Gorgon it is his fault here, what's gone on, um, and that he built the room to contain Adelan's strongest force, of course, being Black Bolt. But here it's the two of them, the two cousins, family, friends, everything, That I rather like the rightfully way out here this is the room that you can't get out of however it was built to contain adelan's most powerful weapon one of sonic power not brute force and uh, a little comedic moment in what has otherwise been a, a heavy show gorgon knocking a hole into the wall and uh, karnak rather humorously saying if he had tried just a little bit to the left you know where the door is it could have been easier so we have triton we have karnak we have Gorgon, uh, the admission here that the pterogenesis, the second pterogenesis was a mistake. Maximus finds Declan. Uh, there'll be, of course, no second pterogenesis, at least supervised by Doc Declan now. Uh, they do note, however, that the crystals are missing. So there's kind of this, uh, this hot potato game being played. Uh, Maximus calls for Bronaja to be brought to the throne room. And it turns out, once in the throne room, that Bronaja cannot see things on demand, Pete. This is not the YouTubes nor the on-demand button on your home cable remote. So how does he see, or rather, what does he see? He sees Maximus as the undisputed king of Adelan. As for Black Bolt, he was gone. Pete, there's absolutely no way that that could be either misinterpreted or deliberately understated by Bernaja, who already has occasional glances to the side where he appears to be <laughs> wondering if what he is doing is right. Another tremor there. They head to the control room. Uh, Max puts his uh, hand on the holographic interface there um, and wants to, to go to the dome. Matt, take, take us to the dome. Pete, this is where Maximus, he's going to do himself a Facebook Live, maybe a, an Instagram story. I don't know. But he's going to talk straight to the citizenry. He makes it clear. That's clear in fake news quotes. The Black Bolt is causing all this trouble. And then in a stirring speech, he says every citizen is Adelan's best and last defense. He encourages every person to fight for the common good. And he is Pete once again encouraging the best out of everyone, regardless of their class, to end the act. 
Yeah, it's not exactly the most inspiring speech. Um, the the biggest thing that Karnak and some of the rest of the group learn is that Black Bolt no longer has Maximus. Um, and of course, there'll be no surrender, Matt. But as we return and into Act 3 here, the entire city may need to come to earth something of course we've floated before this is medusa explaining with louise to louise's boss um who in the past you know regarded louise as eccentric but now she sees her as loony uh that's when medusa tells crystal to come in with lockjaw who teleports crystal in and uh, now, oh, I'll, I'll let my boss know. Couple of takeaways from this scene. First of all, I love that Lockjaw has the wherewithal to teleport into a portion of the background which is more evenly lit, therefore making the render job easier for the, uh, for the uh, Lockjaw effect. Uh, second of all, Pete, the fact that Louise is talking to her boss about her boss's boss who needs to call his boss and then he's going to call his boss and he leaves so the boss will be gotten. I am totally psyched to see this guy's boss before the end of the episode. I bet you it's going to be the agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who doesn't make it to space or maybe it's going to be General Talbot or maybe it's going to be even, dare I say, Robert Downey Jr., it's going to be really great, Pete, and it's going to really give us a great last taste in our mouth for this season, waiting for the pickup for uh, Inhuman Season 2. Chekhov's boss. Um, Medusa shows uh, uh, Louise the Terrigen crystals there. These define who Inhumans are, uh, need Louise to take care of them. She's a friend. Uh, she can be trusted here. With that, we're back with Black Bolt, Karnak, and Triton. Um, the explanation of the second Terrigenesis here that Car that uh, Gargon is in there somewhere. We also get it uh, get it made very very clear to us that there is no way to stop the dome failure. Maximus does not know that there's no way to stop it. How will our heroes know when it all goes bad? Pff, dummy, when the dome fails and we all die. Um, at this point, Black Bolt appears and uh, he's upset that Gorgon was saved. Uh, I want to point out, Pete, that Gorgon is enraged and he needs to be called to be told, "Calm, calm." Just want to suspend the story for the briefest of moments to point out that somebody made the decision to have the most prominent black character, one that in this episode has primal rage and needs to be calmed down by others. That was the writing choice that was made. It's not a good idea here, though they are in the bunker uh, and the explanation that Gorgon is not the same if Matt if Adelan is on the verge of collapse here, um, they're going to need to deactivate the uh, scanner. They're going to need to deal with it. Um, Crystal is coordinating a possible evacuation, and uh, Medusa wants to make one last effort to talk Maximus down. 
But Pete, who could possibly be the go-between? Someone who is both pro-Maximus and pro-the people. With that, cut to Aran, who is delivering Medusa, promising safety. We get to the act break, and after the act break, Medusa says, we're all going to die. And Maximus says, nope. And Medusa says, look what you've done to me. Uh, and Maximus says, actually, now you're like me, almost human. Now you, you know what it's like to be uh, almost human, to be laughed at. And Pete, is the show comparing her metaphorical assault? I mean, it was a, it was a literal assault, but the metaphorical sexual assault, is the show comparing that to his being inhumanly disabled in that he merely is the same as everyone in the audience and just not super powered? What is going on here? I think it tried, Matt, and judging from your voice, I think we can all acknowledge it was unsuccessful at that. But hey, you know what she's got? She's got some Terrigen crystals, or she's got one. She's ready to trade this year. You step down and you stop this. Uh, she will make the deal. However, he's not down with that, so she throws it at a wall. Interspersed in this scene is also a quick touch-in at the control room where things are getting dangerously close, says Karnak. But, uh, in fact, we know that because Karnak says we are getting dangerously close. <laughs> but uh, he's also worked the bloops and the bleeps so that Medusa can now address everyone. And, um, and uh, Medusa is able to leave the scene just fine. Maximus asks for her to be killed by Oran. But Oran says, you know I cannot do that. I promised her safety. So there's that. Yes. Back in the bunker there, Maximus will not back down. Hence, they need to begin the evacuation. Indeed, Pete, it's a, it's a tense moment of reaction shots. Gorgon looks at Crystal. Crystal looks at Karnak. Karnak looks at Medusa. Medusa looks at Black Bolt. And Black Bolt nods to end the act. Yeah, there was a lot of nonverbal communication for even a TV show, Matt. But as Act 5 begins here, Medusa translates for the people uh, that they're going to take care of them here. Um, and that they have someone currently who is king who puts his needs before them. Um and she references the story of her parents, who I'm not still quite clear on what the story was there. But all we need to know here is that uh, they wanted to break down walls and Maximus does not want to do it the same way. He's selfish, Matt. Um, he's forced them into this era of change. I'm okay with the fact that the show is going for a bit of an allegory here, the, the notion of this selfish leader who, who we must resist. But here's the one problem. She says that the needs of Adelan were put before the needs of the royal family. You know, Pete, the royal family where they all have like awesome Ikea apartments and uh, Black Bolt and Sweet Medusa. leather outfits. Yeah, and Black Bolt and Medusa would... dogs would would have huggy uh kissy FaceTime with each other while wearing nothing except for their Important their hair. Jobs. Meanwhile there was the tunnel digger class of, you know, slouches who had to toil away in the mines. I'm still not convinced that the show 
separate from whatever they're comparing it to that I think I have larger concerns about, to say the least. I'm not convinced that Maximus's selfish attempt to con consolidate power for himself and coincidentally, or as a byproduct of his selfishness, free everyone from the class system, is that such a bad thing if at the end of the day you have a freed class you, you have the end of this class system the end of this sort of this sort of dogmatic discrimination um i know i'm not supposed to like maximus in part because they hired the bad man from game of thrones but it's like they want here the show wants us to have our to have our vegetables and eat them too well medusa reaffirms here that they are headed in a positive direction that chapter is just not going to happen on the moon here it's time to return to earth um but this is what happens when you have a leader who puts his needs before theirs maximus is kind of watching all of this on his own view of the hollow screen the dome vision uh, he kind of yells back at it. Uh, if he can't have Adelan, then no one will. Uh, Adelan is his. And this is, of course, when Oran has this big moment. Adelan is supposed to be ours, not just yours. Um, but Maximus is totally sure everything's going to be fine. After all, Brunaja said that he would be king of Adelan. Asterisk Pete, Brunaja never said there needed to be more people in Adelan than him. No, he did not. And... Uh... Eldrak here starting to help out with the uh, evacuation, the domes failing, uh, the control room being a prime location here, going for the scanner. Um, and uh, Oron says that the city is ruins in, is in ruins. They can't stay there. Uh, it's time to leave. And Maximus tells her that her loyalty means everything though it's completely clear to the viewer that she is not loyal to him anymore i'm starting to think that maximus is the kind of guy who's going to end up twice divorced and just really just there he is raving at the dome tv yelling back it's just it's a scene of madness pete we get a moment though of peace earlier on in the episode louise had given medusa uh, her father's uh, space rocket necklace and asked uh, asked Medusa to bury it. Medusa takes the time to caringly love that, uh, 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 take, take that symbol of love and bury the necklace and then put some rocks over it and then just kind of take another moment to pause all while, you know, the moon quakes and there's the possibility of more rocks falling on her. But she she gives it the moment pete with that take us inside take us to the palace halls take us to gorgon well karnak admits that the resurrection of gorgon here a second terrigenesis was the worst possible decision he could have made that it was selfish the most selfish thing he's ever done here um but karnak wants him to live he gorgon is his burden too. And I really don't like the overtures, the symbolism of this. Why is that Pete? Take us through your thought process. Well, let, let's just explore it on its basic uh, idea. You've got an African American man who has been brought back to life. He, with the hooves 
and everything else. We've marginalized him in that he's essentially grunting and occasionally making words. And now we have another character, albeit a, a minority as well, telling him that I, I'm going to take care of you because you're a burden. Well, when you put it like that, it seems that nobody was perhaps filtering this through that thought process. Certainly credit to the show for having this wonderful multicultural cast, but those casting decisions need to then, you need to kind of follow through that thought process in terms of, of, of perception for the final product. Uh, we return to the throne room where everything is falling apart, but, but uh, Black Bolt is unsure that he wants to leave. The rest of the, the good good guys and gals from the royal family are there. Karnak says they must leave Maximus to his fate. Uh, but uh, Black Bolt says that he, in fact, must confront his brother and he is going to stay. Pete, it's a heartfelt moment in a show that always makes us never pay for our consequences because Lockjaw takes them away just as Medusa says, I love you. And it was a poignant moment and would have been more so if they were not reunited about 15 minutes later, if that. And I have to mention Black Bolton walks directly towards the camera in a Hitchcockian moment, but it you really sense that he bumped into the camera about five frames after they after they cut. <laughs> the discussion there that Adelan was born in strife, now it's going to die of the same disease. But Matt, we people are Adelan. Wait a minute. Adelan is a people, not a moon? Pete, that's exactly, exactly what it is. It is totally original. They didn't get any inspiration from anybody else. This is brand new story, story turf here. Hashtag Thor Ragnarok. In the control room, Pete, it's finally come down to this ding, ding, 12 rounds. It is brother against brother, Hermano v. Hermano, the big showdown. Uh, we also get some updates here. Maximus has realized that the dome is going to collapse. I guess he's the only one who didn't know that. Also, he admits mea culpa, mea culpa, that this is his fault and says that they are both going to die. And this is a scene that, once again, because of the decisions made for Black Bolt here, somebody else needs to handle all the dialogue. And uh, Pete, we get a secret flashback. Take us to the secret flashback. With the truth, Matt. Uh, the flashback details that Maximus forged royal documents here uh, that ultimately he wound up killing his parents for no reason at all. And he implores Black Bolt to kill him, who just starts to move his lips, but then punches him unconscious in what ordinarily would be an act break. But because we're already in the fifth act, Mac, and this could not be the tag scene, he wakes up in the bunker. Yes, an interestingly paced episode, to say the least. Maximus awaking in that bunker, and uh, Maximus expositions that the bunker will last a lifetime and will protect them from from whom? Well, Black Bolt is keeping his secrets, seeding the very highly anticipated season two. There's hashtagging human season two out there already, Pete. But Black Bolt's keeping those secrets for that season. But fun fact, he locks his brother in there and uh, he walks outside ready seemingly for the end himself. 
Pete, we finally get Anson Mount delivering some dialogue here. He faces the the exterior of the structure, says, Goodbye, brother, and it causes a landslide. The landslide comes on down to bury that bunker, and uh, the lights flicker as Maximus declares himself the king of Atalan. Just as predicted there, Eldrak tells Black Bolt to hurry. The destruction has taken place. And then, Matt, we see the throne, which uh, flashes with its uh, Bluetooth speaker. I'm not quite sure what happened there. Pete, with that, we cut. We It's the end of the series. Nope, we are told. More Marvels and Humans after this. Pete, we return. We're still in Hawaii, I'm assuming. Is Black Bolt ready to talk to their people? It appears so. They're all in their advanced space costumes again. Uh, Black Bolt notes, however, that they have traded one danger for another. But it really is time for them to talk to the people. So they walk about 10 feet forward, and there, Pete, are all the people. Take us through the speech. Yeah, in in their space duds version 2, um, strangely lit to make it seem like there's more people at night when there isn't, um, that uh, they they should be happy here. Uh, they they save the Inhumans, but for some reason, Matt, it's it's bittersweet. I don't know, maybe because uh, Maximus was stranded on the moon and Black Bolt didn't even have nerve to kill him. But Louise tells him that he's on. Uh, we even see the the white robe control room people, Matt, walk and and move around. Uh, but Medusa uh, takes a look at Black Bolt. There's a nod, and we get the feeling she is speaking um, for both of them, not translating, that uh, people of Adelan welcome home. They face an uncertain future, but they do so with hope. They have friends. They've returned to their birthplace after a long time, and then they look up at the moon as the season most likely the series ends. It's time for our Royal Pains. Pete, let's start with the clown prince of baddies for this entire thing. The the Loki to the Thor, if you will. That's Maximus himself. Ewan Rowan was inspired casting, and the moment that he was announced, everyone was excited for this show. But, and there, there's a line of thinking, Matt, that you ignore everything that comes before the but in a sentence. I just feel like he was never truly allowed to spread his wings on this show. And the fact that we get no full-on tilt, no second pterogenesis, I was looking forward to him becoming some crazy thing and, and really getting able to... Uh, you know, stretches wings, literally, figuratively, never happened. Yeah, it would have been awesome. I mean, even if it was like he's in the bunker and he's starting to change and we just see snippets of this horrific beast that he will become. And if you're saving that for a season two, it would have been better than, oh man, he's in the the well-made space bunker that will last beyond everything else except the lights are flickering. Um but then even if the lights go out, I, I hope they have flashlights or glow sticks or something. And he has plenty of 
dehydrated apricots or something to eat for the rest of his life. Um, regardless, it kind of is not a fitting end for the the protagonist of these eight episodes. Yeah, and when we look at the only other person we can evaluate as a royal pain in this episode, it's somebody in Gorgon who's long been an ally. It's it, it certainly is sticky territory, as previously discussed, to see Gorgon portrayed in a uh, you know in a rather mute and uh, aggressive light, but separate from some of the racial overtones here, uh, it does add some juice to the story to kind of get him to be this ticking time bomb. But in a season that has that has time and time again not followed through on the severity or gravity of risks, the ticking time bomb that is Gorgon, what's the, you know, does that bomb go off? Does he accidentally do this or that or the other? No, he kind of rages out conveniently when they're in the room where you need to rage out to get out of it. Other than that, he's kind of just a little overwhelmed. And no idea, is this permanent? Will he get better? Um, Does he still have... The, the same powers or these different powers. I mean, you know, there, there are times when exposition is necessary and what his character went through. I mean, how many times were we told he went through a second terogenesis, but never, ever given any kind of idea of what that entailed. That's an excellent point. And I, I don't know that I was expecting there to be a, a power 2.0 type thing. Um, I, I don't know what my expectations were going to be, which perhaps is a fault of the writing in that I didn't know what to expect, if that makes sense. Well, that Medusa admonishes Karnak and and says, you know, how how serious a thing this is and that it has to be dealt with. But it never gets dealt with. And, And yes, it's a thread to potentially follow up on a second season. But let's be honest, this thing is absolutely limping to the finish. I would handicap this at, you know, 95% against a renewal at this point. Well, certainly, I mean, we'll see, we'll see in the coming days and weeks and months what the ratings outlook is. Um, But uh, as with all things, Pete, time will tell. Well, then let's take a look at a couple royal thoughts. Matt, these unnamed enemies who are not inhumans who is maximus alluding to i will admit i do not know it's a little sneaky on the writing not necessarily negative but a little sneaky to say surprise all along there was another you know secret force in the tunnels beneath the tunnels that we already saw um i give them credit for seeding for next season uh, I would encourage uh, listeners to keep in mind that just because they were told the famous "don't write a don't write a series finale" does not mean automatic uh, renewal. Uh, it certainly beats you know write a series finale, but I guess it's it's kind of so open ended that it almost robs the ending of this episode. Yeah, I think something give us something to grab onto rather than. There are other enemies, and then the throne flashes blue. I mean, 
the the jump to answer would be okay the the Cree this is the Cree coming through that you know they were giving us a, a a color hint there but um you know no real kind of definition the same Matt with Louise's boss's boss yeah I I know sometimes in a writing room you'll just kind of throw i don't i don't quite say hail mary because that shows desperation but you'll say "Ooh, awesome thing what's the explanation uh, i don't really know i think back to battlestar galactica and there was one plan i want to say to end the maybe end the second season and the first season one of those early ones where the plan was to have uh dwight schultz in a white robe coming out of the white light saying hello i am god what did it mean Ron Moore had no idea. Was the was he actually going to be God? Was it this? Was it that? It literally was a cool thing that they were going to figure out in the writers' retreat in Colorado before they had to actually officially open the writers' room for the next season. Is that maybe the boss here? If so, I mean, if professional writers don't always have the answer to these things and they're going to figure it out on the hiatus, okay, that's fine. But it feels like a missed opportunity to have colson to have stark to have somebody come on in to have this big wow moment in this season dwight schultz like the guy from um next gen yes the guy yes absolutely the, the who i guess ron moore knew uh knew through star trek that was the plan to have him to have him uh show up referencing you know i mean it, i'm not mixing it up with um the other guy who was in the A-Team and was in the original Battlestar. Wait, was he in the original Battlestar? He was, wasn't he? Yeah, Got Dirk, face. Dirk Benedict. Dirk yes. Benedict, the best non-X-rated actor <laughs> name that there ever was. Um, but yeah, that was the plan. That would have been better than um, what ultimately took place. I would have been down for that, except then I'm sure they still would have been like, oh, wait, Angels and head angels and other angels and angels and angels. Pete here. Angels. Is a... Matt, the answer is angels. <laughs> the black guy's bosses are angels. Pete, if there is not another season of Inhumans, but we now have a thousand Inhumans added to the world, added to planet Earth. Uh, do we ever hear about the Inhumans, even in passing? I mean, I know we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in space, space, space. My assumption is they probably get back to Earth after about eight episodes. Is there some passing news footage where we go, oh, well, now that the, now that the U.N. has helped resettle these uh, you know, moon Inhumans and they're now living in, I don't know, Oahu, Hawaii? You know, do we hear from them again? outside of or irregardless of a, a a season two for inhumans the timing of the eight episodes of this show is nebulous does it overlap with ages of shield is it concurrent we're, we're just not sure um does the inhuman population spread itself across the world so it's not concentrated that there couldn't be some kind of misuse of that population oh. i don't know there's there's a lot of possibilities just not clear what's going to happen 
Pete, this entire season of Inhumans could not have been possible without those great pals, our own royal family, those helping us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. And uh, we appreciate everyone who has checked it out and particularly appreciate those who have lent a hand. Yes, whether you are at the Black Bolt Mary Kirk level or you're just getting in the door as unnamed inhuman who has magic hands and can tunnel, um, you are all of value. Um, but seriously, though, everybody who contributes gets uh, exclusive podcast content. So head over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek and check out the perks thanks again well pete we just don't take we also give back a reminder to our listeners that we are going to be doing a raffle of a funko pop that was gained exclusively at new york comic-con pete tell us more about what's being given away and how people can win one Yes, keeping with the space theme here, get yourself your own Thor Ragnarok Grand Master, a little gold bloom for you. Uh, any review left to iTunes between now and Tuesday, November 21st, the night we will podcast Runaways. So exciting times indeed as uh, as Fantastic Geek moves forward, though we are we are pausing on Inhumans until further news there. With that, Pete, what's next? Let's check out the Royal Correspondence. Pete, some deep TV reference love going on here during the whole scene of of Louise's boss trying to get his boss. I had t- uh, tweeted, who's the boss? Hashtag humans, and then a little bit later, I uh, I said the correct answer is Mona. Of course, referring to the the grand dame on the television show, who's the boss? And Pete, we got a response from uh, somebody whose uh, name is you don't know me. That's at RBN Hoodga, and uh, RBN Hoodga says, I see what you did there. So the reference to the 1980s. ABC, Tony Danza, Judith Light starer, getting some love tonight as we watch a show that takes place amidst the stars or the moon or both. I would disagree. Tony Danza is, of course, the boss. But if you're going to give it to anybody else, Mona is acceptable. (laughs) Well, Pete, with that, how can people be in touch with you as they as they break down this season of Inhumans, as they look ahead to Punisher, as they look ahead to Runaways, as they look ahead to the triumphant return of season five of Agents of Shield, as it will cross the 100 episode mark this season. You can find me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J K R K E T E L A A R nine thousand six hundred twenty followers. Can't be wrong. While I am personally on Twitter's Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you want. We are Fantastic Geek. That is fantastic with the P and the H. Visit fantasticgeek.com. Email fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter as well, we, where we are Fantastic Geek. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. We will be back with one season one wrap-up for Inhumans. But for now, Pete, I will say goodbye, brother, and give you the final word. 
our next chapter will not be here. Don't forgive me, don't